you know, a divorce. The divorce rate in Korea is one of the highest in the world. And I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a family that's experienced divorce or maybe even separation. You know the effect that it can have on a child. It actually, it can cause so much damage to a child because a child begins to believe that they were the cause. I was the cause of that separation. I was the cause of, and you see all these things happening in Korea. I mean, I could, the list goes on and on. Korea, in Korea, you know, kids, they work 24 seven. They work more than all of us. You know, they get up at like five, they go to school and then they go to Hagwon and then they go to school. And then after school, they go to Hagwon. And then after Hagwon, they go to Hagwon, like Hagwon squared, you know, I went, I taught at, I taught at an academy for six months before I became a pastor here in, at New Philly. And I didn't have a father's heart. I didn't, I, actually, I was really awkward around kids before. And like, I would like see a kid and I, I was like more afraid of the kid, which would make the kid awkward. And then like, cause for some reason I thought the kid was going to look at me ah! and like run away. Don't know where that came from. But I started working, I started working at this academy. And the moment I walked in, I saw these kids and my heart broke and my heart began to, my heart broke open for them, especially this one class. I had this, I had these two kids and they were the cutest kids. They're five years old each. And they both had the same name. Well, it was Peter one and Peter two. And like, I love them. Like I said, Peter one. He's like, yeah, Peter two and Peter 1.5. And what, what does that mean? Yeah. And their heart, like my heart began to open for them. And then I began to talk to my, my co-teachers and they were telling me about their, their day-to-day lives. At five years old, they go to school, they go to regular school, like public education. And then afterwards their parents would put them, send them, drop them off at a hog one. Now, I know for many of you guys, if we say get rid of hogwans, you're like, no, that's my job. But for these kids, it's crazy, you know? Yeah, these kids are like, free time, yes. But, and then, you know, Peter one, he comes to, to Hagwan and I teach him and love on him. And then after the time's over, Peter, Peter one, he leaves. He, his mom picks him up and she actually takes him to another Hagwan. And so he's in school from nine to nine. He goes home and he does homework. And then he so he's only actually getting about five hours of sleep, maybe less. And for a child at that age, when they're developing, they say that it's not that kids are dumb. It's that they're not getting enough sleep at young ages, the effect that it has. And so what begins to happen is that these kids, they're being worked to death and then they go to school and they get bad grades. And because they get bad grades, they kill themselves. And it's a vicious cycle. And there's so many things that happen in Korea and there's so much bondage. And I was wondering and I was I was praying into this. I was like, why? Why does this happen? Why does this happen to the youth? What is going on in Korea? And some of you are like, I'm not Korean. I'm not Korean. I don't look Korean, you know. (laughs) One taxi driver thought I was half Korean once. And it was so weird because I was like, I'm not Korean at all. He's like, no, no, I'm I'm like, dude, I am not Korean. Like everyone in the car was just like saying over and over, like, you know, they just kept saying. And uh, after a while, we just like, okay, yes, I'm half Korean. I eat kimchi every day, dog. 
you may be like, well, what does this matter? But what I began to, pr- I was praying and praying about this and like, why? And we as a church, we continue to pray for the youth and we pray as, as to God's heart for the youth and breakthrough would come for the youth. And it's like, why does this happen? Why are so many youth dying? Why are so many youth? Why is it that their destinies are being terminated before they can ever step into it? Why is this continually happening? And it's simple. I love what Pastor Christian says. He says that Satan, he tries to kill in infancy what he can't defeat in adulthood. You know, if the youth, if they reach adulthood and they, they're, they're being mentored and being poured into and then they reach adulthood, they're bad news for the devil. They're bad news for the kingdom of darkness. So what does Satan do? He attacks at infancy. He attacks at the lowest place. He attacks when they're vulnerable. I know for many of you, your life stories is probably like that, where at, at your youth, When you were young, when you were developing, that's when Satan came with his attacks. That's when you were molested or that's when your parents divorced or that's when you someone spoke an identity over you or or some failure came into your life. And that was when Satan tried to snuff out your destiny. Why was he trying to do that? Because he knew that if God were to move in your life, you are going to be bad news for the kingdom of darkness. See, this church, we're filled with people who are bad news for the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, this has been the story of the youth. It's been the stories of the youth in Korea. But see, the reason why Satan attacks them is because they are deliverers. The youth of Korea, they are meant to deliver this nation. The youth of Korea, they're actually the ones whom God has set apart to deliver this nation. And what's happened is Satan, he gets, he smells it just a little bit. He smells what the Lord is cooking. <laughs> you know, he just smells it. Like, that smells like an amazing destiny. And so he tries to snuff it out. I want to tell you about another story. I want you to open up your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter one. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. Exodus chapter one. We're going to just And we're going to read. We're going to read about a very famous guy. You all probably know his name. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you definitely know who it is. All things are possible. (laughs) Mariah and Whitney, they sung that song. Well, though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. You know that song, right? My mom had the soundtrack. That's why I know the words. Okay. My mom used to play it all the time. I said, Mom, please cut it off. She just, she just looked at me singing it. I said, Mom, that's so awkward. Verses, we're going to just read, and we're going to read just verses 22 to into chapter 2 to verse 10. Um, how about you take the first verse, and then we'll alternate, and we'll read the last verse all together. So start with verse 22. One, two, three. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch, whatever that is. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. 
Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this service, and we thank you, God, that you desire to inspire us deeply today. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to move, to move through your word, to move as your word is preached, and for it to really take root in our hearts today. God, I command every heart and heart to open right now in Jesus' name. That, God, that we would hear your word and that we would be moved to be in alignment with you, God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you some context to this story. Like I said, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you have an idea. If you know anything about the story of Moses, I'm sure you have an idea. But in Egypt at the time... Um, well, uh, before this child was born, there was a man named Joseph, right? And you know this, if you know anything about the story of Joseph, Joseph, he was like the great grandson of, oh, there's stuff falling all, all the place, whatever. Uh, if you know anything about Joseph, he was the great, I believe the great grandson of Abraham. And God gave Abraham a promise saying he was going to make his descendants as large as the, the stars in the sky and the sands in the seas. And he said that he would bless Abraham and he would bless his descendants and he would bless the earth through Abraham. And so that promise went down to all his descendants, including this one descendant named Joseph. And so Joseph, he has a miraculous story, but I'll just go to the end of it. He becomes prime minister in Egypt and God uses Joseph to deliver Egypt from famine. He uses him powerfully. He raises him up to prime minister and uses him to save the entire nation. And so generation, even after Joseph dies, generation after generation, when pharaohs came in, they they remembered what happened with Joseph. You know, so they come in. Why are all these Jews, these Israelites around here? They were like, oh, those are Joseph's descendants. Oh, Joseph. Oh, Joseph. We're going to be good to them. So that's what would happen. And so the people in, in Egypt, they prospered, they multiplied, they grew greatly. But then what happened was a pharaoh, a king came in who did not know who Joseph was. For some, I guess he did not hear the stories. He didn't read the books. He didn't know anything about Joseph. And so he came in and he saw that these people were prospering. He saw that these people God had put his blessing on, but he was threatened by it. He was threatened by it. So he said, you know what? I, I can't I can't deal with this right now. These Israelites, they're just multiplying too much around me. Wouldn't that be something if people said that about the people of God? Man, I can't deal with man. These the, God's people, they're just crazy. They're always multiplying. In favor and number, I guess. (laughs) And he says, I can't deal with all this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put them in slavery. I'm going to put them in bondage and I'm going to put masters over them. Hard taskmasters. And I'm going to put chains over them and I'm going to make them work for our prosperity. And so they do this. But even still, even though there's chains over them, they're still prospering. 
you know, even if you have chains over you, even if you're in bondage, because you're a child of God, God can still prosper you. Some people say, well, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. God can bless me. That's a lie. Even when they were in chains, God was blessing them and they were multiplying. They were growing. It was crazy. And so he's still he's like, I put chains on them, but it's still not working. You know, you ever been like frustrated with something like that? Like I tried everything. So he says, kill them all. Kill in, but not kill this generation. He said, I don't want to the generation in chains. I want to use them for my purposes. I want them to work, but I want to kill off the next generation. So every Hebrew son that's that's born. Throw him into the Nile River that he may drown. You know, I believe what happened then was that Satan could tell that the next generation that was to come was going to be used mightily by God to deliver the whole nation. And so he said, what I need to do is I got to take them all out. We see this in we see this in the Gospels with Jesus. Herod, the king, he he catches wind of that. There's a, a savior about to be born. And so he says. I smell what God's cooking right now. Kill all the Hebrew sons. So what Joseph does, he takes him and his wife, Mary, and his young son, Jesus, and they flee. Because a deliverer was about to be born. See, anytime deliverers are about to rise up, Satan tries to kill them all. And if you're wondering why there's so many youth in Korea that are being killed off with suicide or abortion or being thrown into these schools where their destinies are dying, it's because they are meant to deliver a nation. See, Pharaoh put this edict out and there were these Hebrew midwives. They they were they they heard it. And he was like, listen, when you help the women give birth, if any of them are sons, kill them. And so they went in and women are giving birth and they're like, you know, we can't kill these. We can't kill these children. These are our own children. So they actually go to Pharaoh and they lie. Mm. I guess honesty isn't always the best policy. It says they lied and God blessed them for it. God looked at them favorably for lying. That's outside of my box. You know, should I tell, to tell the truth? God, what should I do? Lie. Oh, oh, oh Okay. I'll bless you. All right. Yeah, I'm going to do this. You know. They lie, but he still he realizes that this isn't working. So instead, he tells his people, he tells the Egyptians, go and kill every Hebrew son that's being born right now. And so what you see happen is a massacre. People, they're going in and they're taking every son and they're throwing them in the Nile River and they're drowning. Every single child that's being born is being aborted. Their destiny is being terminated right there in the Nile River. And then the story shifts and it talks about this one family. And this one family, this Levite family, Levites in the Bible, they were commissioned by God to be priests. So it's this priestly heritage, this family, they they have a child. And the mother has a child and she hears this edict. She hears this this command that that this child needs to die. The Bible says that she looked at her child and she saw that the child was a fine child. Everyone says fine. fine. That was a fine child. She looked at that baby and said, mm, 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 good. This child is fine. I don't want to kill my son. This is a fine child. I don't want to kill him. So instead, she makes a basket. With his older sister watching, his older brother, they're watching. She makes a basket. And she goes to the Nile where 
the edict was that the babies need to be thrown. And so she actually obeys it. She puts this baby into the Nile, but she puts it in a basket. And it's crazy because at the same time, Pharaoh's daughter is right downstream having a bath. Now, for me, this is a little weird. You're Pharaoh's daughter and you ain't got a private bathroom. Like she's just up in the Nile River. Like when I went to Malaysia on missions a year and a half ago, I was in the longhouses where we had to minister. And I was like, uh, Pastor John, I, I need to take a shower. He's like, oh, just go outside. I was like, out. Out, out, like I acted like I didn't understand English. Out, out where? Out, what, what, what? He said, oh, outside, there's the, you see those big water tanks? Yeah, just right under there. Just, just take a, a shower. I remember it was me, Todd, a couple other brothers, and we're, we're out there, and we're just, there are, there's no, there's nothing covering us. We, I mean, we had, we had like this robe thing that we were trying to use, but it's your first time using it. You don't know what to do, so just all up in. And there's these like Malaysian ajumas that are sitting over there like, hey. It was not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but Pharaoh's daughter, back to the story. Is out having, taking a bath at the Nile River. Now, it's not crazy because she's taking a bath outside. It's crazy because she's cleansing herself in the place where tons of children are being killed. Tons of children are dying in this place. But Pharaoh's daughter only cares about cleansing herself. You're in Korea. A place where thousands of children are dying every day, but so many of us only care about cleansing ourselves. She's there. She's washing. And then all of a sudden, this baby comes down. She sees the baby. She sees that this is a fine child, and she decides... I'm going to take this child in. I'm going to take this baby in. Now, this child did not have a name yet. She looks at this child. She takes it in. The child becomes her son. And she says, the Bible says she named him Moses. Moses. In the Hebrew, it sounds very similar to the word that means to draw out, to deliver So she says, I drew him out of the water. Therefore, I'm going to name him Moses. I'm going to name him a deliverer. And if you know what happened, you know what happens later on in the story. God uses Moses so powerfully to deliver the entire nation. You know, the youth in Korea, they are deliverers. And God has a destiny to use them mightily to deliver an entire nation. But actually, today, I didn't want to talk about Moses that much. Because in this part of the story, Moses is not actually the hero of the story. At this place in the story, the hero is Pharaoh's daughter. See, Pharaoh's daughter is the hero at this place in the story. Why? Because only a child of the king had the authority to take him out of the water. See, Pharaoh had made an edict and he had said every Hebrew son must die. 
and they must go into the water. And so if another Hebrew would have jumped in and been like, I got you, Moses, they would have been killed on the spot. If an Egyptian would have jumped in and said, I got you, this is a fine child. I'm going to get this child. They would have been killed on the spot. It was only a child of the king who had the authority to reach in and grab Moses. See, I said that the youth of Korea, they're deliverers. But God's calling you to be a deliverer of the deliverers. See, this inspire service actually is not about the youth in Korea. This inspire service is actually about you. See, only a child of the king has the authority to reach in and draw the children of this nation out of the waters that they're in. Not some pop star, not somebody you see on TV, not even some politician, only the children of the king. And maybe you say, well, I'm, Pharaoh was a harsh king. Pharaoh made an edict to kill and put people in bondage. In the story, it was a child of a king who put people in bondage that had the authority to draw him out. How much more a child of the king who comes to set free? How much more the child of a king who speaks destiny before you're ever even born? See, you're Pharaoh's daughter in the story. But are you in the Nile right now only seeking to cleanse yourself? Let me just get clean and then I'll get out of here. See, the first thing Pharaoh's daughter did was she was washing herself. And for a second, she was concerned with her own well-being until she saw Moses. And in that moment, she had a choice. She could look away. She could have looked away and ignored it and said, that's just another baby. That's just another child that's going to die. That's just another one that's doomed to fail. That's just another Korean kid that won't get up on the bus when my knees are hurting and I need to sit down. That's just another kid that's smoking a cigarette in the non-smoking section. That's just another Korean kid. It's so easy for us to have that attitude, right? That's just, that's just another kid. And that's just another kid. Oh, so what if they're drunk? So what if they're doing that? So what if all this is going on? It's just another kid. Ah, oh, they're doomed to die. They're doomed to fail anyways. But she looked. And in that moment, she decided, I'm going to draw him out. What's your decision? Will you take your place? See, it's only us. That have the authority to do that. To draw these kids out. You remember those statistics I said we can get so depressed and all that. Oh, poor, poor kids. Go back to America. Oh, that's that sucks. I can't even speak. Oh, yeah, well. It wasn't even Hebrews were beneath her. She didn't have to. She didn't have to do anything, but she chose to. That's the first thing she looked. Here's the second thing she did. Well, after she she looked and she called him and she she had her servants pick him up and draw him out of the water. It says that she made sure that that child was was taken care of. And then it says he became her son. He became her son. 
meaning that she took this child under her wing, meaning that she decided I'm going to mentor. I'm going to disciple. I'm going to pour out. I'm going to pour out my life into this person's life to make sure that they don't suffer like the rest. You know, many times we I'll be honest, like I said, I've been so awkward around youth and it's so easy to be like, you know what? I love babies. You know, babies, they, they say stuff, and I don't even understand what they're saying. I love babies. They're so cute. Like, I just, oh, goo goo ga. You know? I, lo- I, love, I love older people, you know? They're just so cool, so much filled with wisdom. They're so cute, too, you know? Like, goo goo ga You know, I like people my age and a little older, you know? Hey, you know? But the youth, I don't know. It's just always awkward with the youth. Uh, I don't know. I don't really, I'm not really up for it. Usually we're like that because we're afraid that we're going to make the same mistakes that someone else did in our lives. Usually it's because we don't want to we don't want to actually stop and mentor and see another life changed. But there's nothing more powerful than changing a life. There's nothing more powerful than reaching into someone's life who's broken and calling them forth and drawing them out. Nothing more powerful than that. I was telling the leaders at Sunday Swim, what if Jesus would have decided that he didn't want to draw us out of the water? He was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm too busy, guys. You saw I healed like five people today, all right? You know, leave me alone. I got no more teaching for y'all. You know, peace. I'm going to go up here on the couch and chill. What would that look like? The cross, man, that's a waste of my, that's too much of my time. I got to carry that cross too? Do you know what that's made out of? That's pure wood. Things would look a little different here. She said, he's going to be my son. Meaning that she decided that she was going to pay the price to bring that child out of the water and into their destiny. Are you willing to pay the price to bring the youth of this nation out? It's, it's just it's a cute baby making sounds, guys. Calm down. Are you willing to pay the price to bring forth the children of this nation into their destiny? Oh, well, I don't have an opportunity to. Many of you, you're surrounded by them every day from nine to five. They come in every day and every single day, God's giving you an opportunity to draw a child out of the water. Every single day, God's giving you an opportunity to bring someone else out of the out of the deep waters and begin to establish them in their destiny. Every day, God gives you that opportunity to father and to mother someone. Our generation, we run away from the words father and mother because the enemies work so hard to mar those words for us. But when you step into that and you step into being a father and being a mother to someone, what begins to happen is generations begin to change. I was talking to a friend of mine and. And I said. I said, I want to become a father as soon as possible in wedlock, of course. I want to be a father. And she said, that is crazy. I said, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I said, I want to be a father. Like, as I want to have children. I want to have as many children as possible. I want to be like those old-timey pictures that you see where you see like a legion of like 70 kids <laughs> just chilling. You know why? Because it's a privilege. It's a privilege to sow into someone's life and know that what you sow into their life will manifest generations later. 
It's a privilege to sow into someone else's life, not your own. That we don't look in the mirror so much, but we begin to look out into other people's lives. See, Pharaoh's daughter, she had a choice. She didn't have to. And the crazy thing it was, was Pharaoh's daughter could have drawn him out and made him a slave. She could have drawn him out and said, you know what? This is a fine child. I'm going to make him work. I'm going to make him. I'm going to use him. Or I'm just going to draw him out, but I'm not really going to invest in him fully. I'm going to hold back a bit. I'm going to draw him out and make him a slave. But she didn't do that. She said, I'm drawing him out and I'm making him my son. And the last thing she did, and you got to catch this because this is the most important part. Well, she named him. Moses, his mother did not name him. His mother did not name him. Pharaoh's daughter named him the child of the king. She looked at him and she said, you're not an orphan. You're not neglected. You're not someone that's going to be passed over. You're Moses. You're a deliverer. She looked at him and she didn't say, I'm just going to I'm just going to, you know, take you. But I'm still not going to speak any death. No, she said, you're Moses. You have a destiny. You're a deliverer. And see, God's calling us to every youth, to every young person we see, not to look at them and say, you're stupid. You're ugly. Why are you always messing up? You're a knucklehead. But to say you're a deliverer, to say you have a destiny, you're called by God, you're anointed by God. And maybe you feel like you can't do it. But you're a child of the king. You're meant to do it. And if you don't do it, who will? See, I'll end with this. There's another story in the Bible where someone goes in and draws men out and calls them by a different name. And it's in the Gospels. And it's a story of these youth, these young men. If you know about the disciples, uh, scholars say that some were as young as some say 14. Some say even as young as 12. They were youth. They, they, they covered a wide range. When you think of the apostles and the disciples, you think of these old guys walking around like in the name of Jesus. No, they were young. They were youth. A lot of them were youth. A lot of them were serving under their fathers. And when Jesus and they and people said that they didn't have a destiny, that's why they were out fishing. But when Jesus walked up to them, he drew them out. He said, come, come, follow me. Come, I'm going to bring you under my wing. And then he says, I want to make you fishers, fishers of men. We overlook that. You know, we say, well, fishers of men, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you know anything about fishing, fishing is drawing fish out of water. Simple enough. Whether you use a net, whether you use a fish, a line and a hook, it's essentially just drawing fish out of water. But when Jesus came to them and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, he said, I'm going, I'm calling you into a ministry of drawing people out of the water. That last verse, when Moses, his mother, Pharaoh's daughter, when Pharaoh's daughter speaks to Moses, she says, I called you Moses. Why? Because I've drawn you out of the water. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have a ministry of delivering deliverers. Of drawing young people, drawing people who have been told they have no destiny out of those deep waters of depression, out of those deep waters of, of suicide and neglect and into their destiny as deliverers. Let's pray.